we were making all this money. We didn't even understand it, but we just kept building a company, building a company, hiring more people. And we built about a $120 million company. And after 20 years, we sold it. You're listening to Hawk Talk, a podcast all about the origin stories of the most interesting people in the world. Today, you know our guests as famous athletes, authors, and entrepreneurs, but there's so much more to this story. Let's get into today's interview with your host, Eric Huberman. All right, you're listening to Hawk Talk. I'm here today with Chris Birch. Thank you for joining me. Great to see you here. Yeah. So at this point, you know, you've become a massive fashion mogul, hotelier, an investor, you're in the healthcare industry, you've really created a prominent name for yourself. So always got to take it back to, you know, four or five years old, were you designing shirts in your bedroom? Or how did this all kick off? So um, I'll like tell you that it wasn't a great start. Okay, it was like, <laughs> I would tell you that Back then, I don't even think they know how bad a start it was. Four or five, the terror of Philadelphia had started. So I grew up outside of Philadelphia, kind of middle-class family, great family. My dad was a great athlete. My mom was funny as hell. We had three brothers and a sister, and we were terrors. And I was by far the most challenged of anyone. And my story is basically bedwetter, panic attacker, There wasn't anything I actually did well. Never forget, you know, I barely missed the short bus. I was very challenged. My parents didn't know what to do with me. And I knew the one thing I wanted to do was be the crossing guard. Okay. Like that was a big deal when you're younger. They get the yellow belt. You get to take the other kids. You get to be on the bus. And usually you start to get that honor around the fourth grade if you're a rock star. Well, fourth grade, nothing, fifth grade, nothing, and sixth grade. And I'll never forget every day I would be there, please give me the yellow belt. They never gave me the yellow belt. My last day of my sixth grade class, it was like one of the hardest days of my life. They didn't give it to me. And I went home under the cherry tree and cried. From there, life got even worse. So seventh, eighth, and ninth grade, I was in the worst section of a pretty bad public school. My brothers were all in private school. And to cope, I would listen to talk radio, WWDB, Barry, my boy, Barry. How come you went to public and all your siblings went to private? I couldn't get in. I applied like 50 times. I think they just rejected me before the application came in. So my nights were spent listening to talk radio, a lot of anxiety, bedwetting, get up in the middle of the night, drag the phone across the room, get in a closet and dial 825-5200. And I'd call in every day and... I want to talk to Barry. He go, young man, why are you up? He go, I go, because I can't sleep. And it gave me kind of my superpower. So I think asking these questions are great because I think the reality in life is, and what I do in business is I always ask questions about the childhood. And the childhood is the formation of the spirit, the tenacity, and the brain. Yep. And so where do you think you got, I mean, obviously you have the disappointment side of that, but, and you said your dad was a great athlete. Was he a professional athlete? No, it was just a great college athlete. And Got it. I admired that. And, and so did you have some tenacity built from your, like, how did your parents support you during all this? Like you were going through a lot. Were they? Not great. Not, not great. Prep. No, they sent me off to prep school and I went to a prep school called Tilton. And I'm proud to tell you, I didn't do great there. What really changed my life, honestly, and I think makes me fortunate enough to have been successful is I have a deep sense of intuition and I understand humans. And that came out of this idea of listening to people all night long when most kids are sleeping. And then my tenacity, I went sent to a prep school in New England and I was a good athlete. And 
then my self-esteem got to be formed. And that four years in prep school really formed me and created a sense of self and a sense of tenacity and hard work and wanting to succeed. And I actually have my report card here. I'll get up for yeah. you. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think you guys will all like it. It wasn't great. Uh, I don't know if you could oh, see I love it. it. I framed it too, yeah. Okay, so I framed it. We got, I failed Spanish. Yeah. Two years in a row, Spanish one. A lot of Ds, a lot of Fs. Yeah. And then my board scores. I'm very proud of my board scores as well. And so for me, I just, you know, that's, that's what got my creativity. What's interesting, they say, you know, the average GPA of over a millionaire in high school is like a 2.1 is the average. You know, the, the correlation between success and academic success are very far apart. Oh, well, it's interesting. Yeah. I think parents like it because the kids are not doing well. They feel like their kid has a shot. Yeah. And it's also, I mean, for someone that doesn't want to go be, lack of a better word, a world beater, someone that's going to be an entrepreneur yeah. is a good way yeah. to be a good employee. School teaches you that. Yeah. Okay. So you go to prep school. Did you end up going out of there to college or did you go right into? Yeah, I went to prep school. I played three sports in prep school, soccer, tennis, and skiing. Then I was good enough athlete that colleges wanted me because I had the lowest board scores ever recorded. I had 35400, which would be a 750 total SATs, wow. which means you have to have 10 wrong to every right. And I really tried. And I have a lot of spelling issues. I still can't spell to this day. I have a lot of issues, but got to Ithaca College, started a business in college, played sports in college, tennis, skiing, and soccer, and kind of had learned by then intuition and people skills, which I think are critical for young people. It's not all school worth. It's actually how do you, what's your EQ skills like? Yeah, totally fair. And you just brushed past this, but you started a business in college. Was that your first yeah. time? Beginning yeah, to yeah. I, I started selling sweaters door to door to college girls. And a friend of mine, John Marshall, and I went up to a place in New England. They had a sweater mill. We took those sweaters. We went out. We bought them for ten dollars, and we sold them for twenty dollars to girls at campus, and we made a lot of money. And then I did pinball machines. Just real quick, how'd you get into that? How did sweaters come up? Was it your idea? You were just like, "Hey, no, no, it was, it was one of my friends," and he said, "Look," and I said, "Okay, I'll buy some." So we'd go up to New England, up to Rhode Island, we'd buy like. 150 sweaters and all sorts of different colors. And then we go around to the girls and sell them. Mm -hmm. Finally, my senior year in college, my brother and I said, let's make this into business. And we went over to Scotland. I bought 2,500 sweaters. They were extraordinarily, extraordinarily inexpensive. But the problem is they all came in very small. Mm -hmm. And I say small, I mean childlike small. But we, we worked hard and we made it happen. And we sold them on. That was the start of my brothers and my career in a company called Eagle's Eye. And so did you ever have to have a job, like go work for someone else? Or were you an entrepreneur from the beginning? No. Yeah, I never had a job. And so, you know, again, that's unusual. Like, I think it's great, but it's unusual. Like, where do you think that came from that just, you were like, I'm just going to go make my own money. I'm not going to go apply somewhere and work for someone else. Or was it just, it happened fast and you didn't need to? You know, back then, by the way, you have to understand something. Nobody wanted to start their own company. Nobody. Yeah. So back in the seventies, I can tell you that I was the only person that went on his own. Everyone went out and got a job as a lawyer or went to investment banking or went into sales at Procter and Gamble. My parents told us and but, you know, we, I just had a dream and my brother and we started with nothing. We didn't have a reverse in our car. And within five years, we were making $10 million and we didn't even know what that meant then. Okay. Just so you know, because, you know, my bros and me, and I know you're friends with a guy I know, Sadik, we spent $250 maximum on our room. You know, that's, that was it for lodging 50, a guy, a dude. And 
a beer was a buck twenty-five. So we we were making all this money. We didn't even understand it, but we just kept building a company, building a company, hiring more people, and we built about a hundred and twenty million dollar company. And after twenty years, we sold it, which was way too long. <laughs> and so, was that bootstrapped, or did you actually get someone to invest in it at any point? Or? My dad gave us like ten grand, and we had saved ten grand. And you know that's that's what happened. So we were Not fortunate. Sold yeah. the company for a lot of money, and yeah. really, actually, never been fortunate. You know. Uh, and by the way, a little other side note, which is the Kyle connection. Kyle Woodrick and I share. His oh, yeah. We share his New York office, so I'm his sub. Oh, you do. Yeah, we're. He's an awesome guy. He's great. I'll work for me for seven years. Yeah, no, and he's awesome. He's super bright too. I love what he's doing now. Yeah. And so during that period, that 20 years, did you start dabbling in other things? Did you start investing or were you really just focused on? Not really. I was 100% focused on Eagle's Eye. We didn't really had one or two small investments. We We woke up every day with fear. So I always, no matter how much money I made, had nightmares that I would fail, I would fail, I would fail. And it wasn't until I left Eagle's Eye that I decided to invest in other companies. Real lucky, met this guy named Buck Buckley. He and I decided to start a business. My brother was involved at that point. And I said, let's do virtual reality, which actually, believe it or not, back then was still around. He said, let's do the internet. And we started a company called Internet Capital Group. I have nothing to do with the success of it and ultimate failure, but I was fortunate enough to be there in the beginning was on the board for a day, realized I didn't know anything, but was very good from the sidelines. And that company went from zero to 5 billion. I was fortunate enough then with my brother to hedge my position. I again took all that capital and I invested in some of the coolest companies in the world. And Boss Water, Hyena Hotel, my brother and I built, Jawbone and Jambox, which did well. The Guggenheim Group, my brother and I formed with Todd Morley and put the capital off for that. So I've been really fortunate to be kind of in like in the mix. And how did you identify these? Like those are obviously amazing bets. What did you, what was in your- All luck, all All luck. luck. Yeah, I just put an investment in a company called Elite Body Sculpture. I met the guy at a karaoke bar and it's gonna be a great business. They take fat off, off of you, women love it. It's extraordinary, it's doing unbelievably well. And that's one thing I think is really important is always be curious, always be open and you know, after a while, you become a magnet for good ideas. And those ideas can come from the people that have worked for you, like Kyle, or all the people that work for me, or it can come from a stranger, or it can come from someone pitching you. But I look first at the person and then at the business. And so you try to stay pretty open to opportunities out there still to this day kind of thing? Everyone, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And so take me through. So you sold the company, you started progressing. What have been your hits since then? Because how long ago did you Well, sell? I mean, I'm really lucky, right? Like, so I've had so many. So I guess one of my biggest hits is Tori, my ex-wife wanted to start Tori Birch. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know, we're crazy. I had the experience. She had a vision. We had a vision together. We formed a company. We actually put a total of 6 million in and that business does a billion six today. So yeah. She and I worked together until we got divorced for about seven, eight years, I guess. And we were really fortunate. We built an amazing company, amazing organization. Yep. So today I own Stod. You know, when I say I own, I own between 10% and all of it. Mm-hmm. So I created Poppin, which just got sold, which was an office supply company from scratch. So sometimes, yeah. sometimes I create businesses from scratch and sometimes I invest in great entrepreneurs. 
So from scratch, I mean, are you getting in the weeds and operating now? Or are you finding someone to help you operate? No, I don't. I, I today I never. Uh, yeah, I think I'm a terrible CEO. Actually, yeah. I've done it for so long, but I don't think I'm good. I'm. I prefer to hire great headhunting firms, hire the best people. Mm-hmm. But on all the businesses, and all your partners will tell you, I probably have once a month creative meetings where I'm a pretty good merchant, so I know what product women want to buy, what new ideas, what new, what's new creatively. I own a hotel with a guy named James McBride called Dehi which is just extraordinary, which I hope you get a chance to go to. It's off the coast of Bali. It's on an island called Sumba. And the hotel has 40 rooms and it was named number one hotel in the world two years in a row. And that hotel is about true authenticity. So my partner, who's better than me, is we're rolling that out all over the world. So we'll open Costa Rica and Colombia and we're doing more in Indonesia. So one is the germ of the idea. Yeah. And so what's the mix of that? Like, you know, really trying to get into how you operate today, because the other thing I see a lot of is people have that big win. They'll build a company for 20 years, sell it, and then go play golf. And you've yeah, earned yourself exponentially since you sold. So yeah, I I, th- I think that maybe I'm a little unique because I mean, like I have a, a mineral mine and we hit, we hit, which does fine jewels, you know, that are like 10 to 20,000 a carat. Yeah. But I bet on the guy there's a, as you can see behind me, I don't know if you can see it, yeah. but these are beautiful minerals that you wow. see in the Natural History Museum. Yeah. And the good part was I trusted him seven years. I said, why aren't we digging our own minerals? And so we did and we got lucky. So the mix of my things is I do a startup once every two or three years. Okay. But 90% of what I do today is I invest in great entrepreneurs, great people, and hopefully my group can add something. So in the case of Kyle, who, as you know, is building an amazing e-commerce and direct consumer with small brands, I may help him with ideas in the candle company. And I, my role is creative and leadership and whether it's Stodd, which is a women's clothing company, a lot of women love or solid and stripe. I'll do merchandising design meetings, but I'm always looking about ways in which I can cross over ideas or concepts. So basically how you can leverage one idea for multiple brands you're involved yeah. in. Got right. it. And so what's next for you? Are you just kind of going to continue down this path? Do you have some dream or aspiration of where you want to take this next in terms of your career, what you're doing? Oh, I really, really get joy out of other people's success. And so for me, it's like finding those special humans that do different and special stuff. Yeah. Like Sadik was very helpful to me. When we, I had this thing called Cocoon, which was prefab houses. I put the money up, I built it, and it did okay. It was just a little too expensive. But then I met somebody, met somebody, and now it looks like we're going to build 600 apartments up in Boston. And your friend Sadek happened to be brought to me, and he's been instrumental in hopefully that thing taking off. So yeah. for me, it's like putting, you know, as I think of my world, I think of like, a needle on a thread and I'm moving from idea to idea. And then how do I get all my team members to help each other and to work in different business? So we have in the mineral business, we'll start to develop jewelry and the hotel business. My partner is going to open up all the hotels around the world. So I'm done with that. Yep. In fashion, I still love fashion. It's in my blood. So I am really actualized by new ideas, new concepts, using the idea of China sourcing and creative. So that's what I am. No, that, that's awesome. And so it, it really is perpetual fun in that sense that you're continuing to just create, 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 and you get things going, kind of hand them off, and you're good enough to 
advise as well as get things off the ground that you can see a lot of success in focusing on that is what it sounds like. Yeah, but I make a shit pot of mistakes too. Yeah, which right? I like, let's be honest, like I, I made you, I like lost an enormous amount of money on a company called Sea Wonder. So you have to actually reflect on that too. And like a lot of young entrepreneurs that are listening, it's like, you know, interesting what they say that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yeah. So, you know, I think actually I've been through so many ups and downs, whether it's in business or personal life or anything. And I think people should look at it this way. Never forget it. Uh-huh. Feel the pain. Yep. Grow new organs to success. Yeah, I think and, advice, I think you you see people celebrate failure a little too much. And I think it's you have to learn from it and accept that it was a failure. Like accepting failure is okay. Like keep moving is okay. Like don't get stuck in failure. But I also think celebrating it has always been weird to me. I think it's yeah, what do you do? Back. Yeah. What so, are the things that, what are you interested in? Actually, I run a direct competitor of BV Excel that I've continued to stick with. So we have about 170 employees, basically outsource CMO and marketing team to companies, along with a venture. Oh, cool. We invest in a lot of marketing technology, e-commerce technology. Oh, I love that. I need some help. I actually have one that could end up being good or could end up being bad. But, you know, for me, my mind doesn't work that way. And there, you know, there's good opportunities out there in the B2B area. That's for sure. Right. And you get to hang out with Kyle and everyone else up in that office, right? Are you in the office or at home right now, dude? So I'm based in Santa Monica. We have a New York and Boston office too, but I'm, oh, cool. you know, I, I used to be in New York in every six, eight weeks and would hang out with Kyle quite a bit, but haven't been out there since I think February was the last time I was You there. married or single? Married. Oh, wow. Do you have kids? No kids yet. Oh, cool. Well, Kota Nihi, you'll love it. You and your wife will never. Actually, Kyle went and Kyle was my favorite because he actually took my house and he celebrated there every night. So Kyle knows how to use his partner's thing. So I I think the whole key to success is like caring about people, like having some empathy, being driven. And I think young entrepreneurs, all of them have a big problem. I got a beautiful letter, by the way, from Alex, who started Jawbone and Jambox. And when we were going through a financing, I told them, I said, look, you got to remember that whatever you take money in and whatever equity you lose here, this is your first time. It's not going to be important. And we kind of got in a riff over it. And I just got a letter 20 years later about how right I was because he's now on the other side of the street. Yep. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs get caught up in the A round, the B round, the C round, the D round. They get caught up in the minutia of talking to their friends and they're as thin as a lady M cake because what they're doing is they're listening to all the bullshit and their knowledge is so fast, but they really need to spend the time that they're talking about being diluted into figuring out ways to be unique and driven within the business. Like in my business, nobody understands sourcing, right? All the people starting in apparel companies, oh, I understand e-commerce, I understand vision, I understand taste. But you know what? Get your ass in a factory. So yeah. for me, I think that we're losing your generation has to, and I know you're in the in the thing. We know machine learning is unbelievable. We know all this, but sometimes there's products, right? Yep. They're okay. real, they're contextual and Yes, website, it's easy as hell today to, you know, everyone can set up their own website and sell direct. It used to be more barriers to entry, but I think people are not focusing on the right things anymore. They're only focusing from their own point of view. 
I totally agree. And I get asked all the time, I do a lot of speaking and it's always, you know, what's the key to marketing success? What do you think is the number one thing in marketing is like, have a good product, like something people yeah. actually want. Marketing is easy if you have good product or service. Like if you have something people want or need and you know how to make a good product, then marketing comes pretty easily. Yeah. And they don't even think through the framework. Like right. one, what price should it be? Two, what problem am I solving? Three, do I have enough gross, gross margins to run the business? Yep. Or what's my unique perspective, yeah. right? The unique thing is super important yeah. because so many people, you can start a business. I could start a fashion company in the next hour. It's not going to yeah. be any good, but I could go do it. That unique, 100%. What, is, what is unique about me? What is unique about this product or brand is so important. People just miss it. They just start the copycat. By the way, they also make another mistake. Go back in history. So in fashion, there's about, you know, I was talking to someone the other day. It was fascinating. And everything is repetitive. It's been repeated. Everything. Like, it's a, it's a formula, man. It's a formula. It's like, go back to old radio ads and see why they hit. Yep. You know, go back to fashion from the 60s and punch up Twiggy. It's all the same. And it's the same basic thing. So... If we're going to do, if we love hand massages and now we build a tool that can make your legs and your knees feel better by pounding away at you and you can buy that for $300, don't be because you can sell for $300. There's no correlation, by the way, the product and what it costs to manufacture. Yeah, none. Yeah. People are fucking in here. I know the founders of Theragun very well. <laughs> I just got one. Well, <laughs> well you, may, you may know it and I can tell you. They, you can tell them to me that they're oh, no. paying seven. They're paying. They're paying seventy-five. I just saw a book. All those guys are paying a hundred dollars with a full package. That thing should cost. By the way, I know what it makes because I make the bombs yeah. in other guns. It's seventeen dollars. Yeah. And you see what happens is every single company I go into and I talk about the cost of goods, they think I'm fibbing. So I'm buying a company called Hairmax, which is phenomenal. And I'm partnering with a guy and we told him that their cost of goods was like 75% too high. But you see, no one believes it. Yeah. So that's number one issue. There's always a better way to make a product. Yeah. And, and having an obsessive view of that as the founder of a company, I think is the important part. That's, I mean, Steve Jobs in a nutshell is an example. Like you kind of have to obsess over making a great product. If that's of course what you're trying to create, which is a premium product, or it needs to be cheaper or whatever it is. If you're Zara or H&M, it's how do you make it cheaper too? But it's, you have to obsess over it's your not, Yeah, it's not even, yeah, it's, it's like, it's even deeper than that. It's gotta be like, how do you figure how to make it cheaper? You're right, unique but it's also twisted in better. Yeah. So we can, you know, people don't even understand this. There's so many hints in the world, right? Of like ideas, like I'm looking out my window and the trees are beautiful with the, with the beautiful leaves and, and the colors. And like, if you're designing, you can use the different colors of the leaves to like do a formation for art or that art turns into fashion or that fashion turns into developing a new product. It's more whatever, or if you're looking at, beautiful birds, you know, if you look, you know, do it, those birds not only have a voice that sings to you, but th those colors have been put to nature to be used in other ways and other things. And I find that entrepreneurs think so linear, they don't think about keeping their mind open. Yeah. And one, and I know you're going to cut this, but most important oh, yeah. thing is 99% of people that walk down a street and I ask them what they were thinking about when they walked into my office, you know what they say? 
they think about what they have to do today. And they should actually be thinking, what have I seen? What do I feel? And how is that relevant in my life for others? And that is funny. My last question was going to be, what would be one piece of advice you have for people on how to reach success, how to achieve their dreams? Would that be it? Or do you want to leave us with another piece of wisdom? I think there's three things. Great. One, you said something really interesting, a very good question. Create your dream. So I had a dream. I used to read Richie Rich comics. Uh-huh. And then I thought I wanted to have a big house. The interesting thing is create the dream of where you want to go. And then look as you go on that dream, but you don't need to purchase that dream. So if someday you want your own private jet, you just need to say, I could fly on my own private jet. I don't need to have a private jet. I have the money to be on the jet, but I prefer to fly first class. Yep. So one, think about the way you think financially in a very interesting way. Number two is always ask everyone you ever meet with what you let in and what made your podcast so unique. I want to hear there's not, I was today with a woman in the building and she, I could tell she, you know, whatever I asked, ask about them, really ask about them. And the best way to ask about them is to talk about how they grew up. And that's the best way to actually be intimate with humans. Remember a 17 year old boy or girl, whatever they were then is what they are today. Just treat the insecurities of that today. So that's my advice. And I think the other advice is don't judge, yep. be open. Your best deals, if you're a deal maker, your best pieces of life will come in at you unexpectedly if you're open. Cynicism is the killer of ambition, as is envy. Love it. Well, Chris, thank you so much for being on Hawk Talk. I really appreciate it. I'm Great sure name, we'll- by the way. Dude, what a fucking, what a name. How did you come up with that? <laughs> the name of the company is Hawk Media. <laughs> oh, it's a great name. Dude, Hulk Talk's a great name. Okay, man. Love you, dude. Thanks. And we'll talk soon. Hawk Media is your outsourced CMO and marketing team. We'll dive into your business for free, identify opportunities in your marketing strategy, then get you teamed up with individual experts, all month to month and a la carte. Whether you're looking for a Facebook advertiser, a web designer, or a fractional CMO, we can help you drive growth for your business. We've successfully grown over 2,500 brands, and we're here to help you too. No matter your goal, we've got you covered. To learn more, visit hawkmedia.com. That's hawk with an E, media.com. You've been listening to Hawk Talk. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. Just tap the number of stars you think this podcast deserves. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.